Welcome, welcome, welcome to my podcast, Leaving Religion, a guide to finding your spiritual center. I am your host, Amanda Joy Loveland, and I am thrilled to be back here with you again. It has been a few weeks, and I'm even more excited to share this interview. There, These are two beautiful women that when I first met them and heard a little bit of their story, I instantly, I wanted them to be on my podcast. And they so graciously agreed. And while we tried to navigate schedules, we finally got on a Zoom call. And they are sharing such just their beautiful journey and their wisdom. And I am thrilled to share this with you. And I am excited to announce that today, registration just opened for an in-body experience that will be happening in Springdale, Utah, September 22nd through the 25th. And I get to co-create this space and co-facilitate with these two beautiful women from this episode, Cammie and Shelby, as well as another just amazing human being that is in my life, Sarah, who happens to be Cammie's sister. So the four of us will be co-creating the space with each other, with you. And this is a space for all of those, all of you that are in a place in your life that you are looking for more opportunities, tools, and experiences to truly embody and see those places within you that are asking to be fully integrated. And if you are feeling and having a hard time really experiencing joy in your life, happiness in your life, seeing the beauty of all that you are, or you know that there's something there that is just a little closed off to you, but you know it's there, you're trying to grab it and bring bring it in, opening up more and more of your skills, more and more of all of who you are, and you're wanting to do it with with ease and with fun and play, then this is an experience for you. This will be the most powerful experience and retreat that I have gotten the opportunity to facilitate to date. So if you're feeling the call, this is going to be limited to 14 people and registration just opened today. So head over to my website, grab your spot at amandajoyloveland.com forward slash in body. That's I N B O D Y amandajoyloveland.com forward slash in body. I N B O D Y. And without further ado, let's dive into this absolutely epic conversation that I got to have with Cammie and Shelby. Mm, I'm so excited to do this interview. We are excited. Are you guys- <laughs> I didn't know what it was about till this morning. <laughs> you did it. You didn't know. I mean, we've been friends for a whole two months and you didn't know about my podcast. I knew about your podcast. I just. I forgot oh. that it was totally about this stuff. Are you still a yes? <laughs> yeah. I'm totally a yes. Where a hell yes. It was a yes before I knew. That's just like oh. trusting flow. She didn't even need a subject. No. Let's go. go. Let's just oh, go. What? Time with Amanda? Okay. You're like, <laughs> yes, we can talk. I can totally do that. <laughs> we do that. Just well, I am, I am so excited to be sitting down with two of my absolute favorite people. Even though we've only known each other for a few months, you feel like... You just, you're like, you're my family mm. and I just love you both so much. And after hearing a little bit of your story, I don't know much of your story. I really wanted to have you guys on the podcast. In fact, I think I asked pretty soon after we la- we met, but where we live a little from each other, you guys in St. George and me and Alpine, it's, I really wanted to do this in person, but that's just not happening. So here we are via zoom and I am sitting with Cammie Rhodes and Shelby Smith, and this is going to be fun because I very rarely do podcast interviews with 
two other people. So, yeah, yeah. We're, we're a first. It's a new yes. day. <laughs> the new day. You on one, Amanda? Are you ready? <laughs> that's a that's a that's a different podcast. Oh, Maybe uh, we should oh, start what? that one. <laughs> you know, especially after, especially after your last retreat, ladies. Woo! We talk about anything, <laughs> anything and everything. <laughs> I know that's how that's how I am. So <laughs> good thing you said nothing's off the table. This will be fun. <laughs> so you guys both grew up Mormon. Absolutely. Yep. In yep. Utah, where where? So Rhodes, Rhodes family is in Utah. Seven siblings. There's eight of us. Just. Mormons thick in our blood. Hmm. Yeah. I am from Idaho. I am an Idaho blood Mormon and totally grew up that way. But my family started off a little rocky and not in the church. Then they got sealed in the temple when I was eight. And then oh, I was okay. raised. Yeah. Did you guys enjoy being Mormon? I loved it. I loved it. I didn't know any different. And showing up in different places with all of these siblings and station wagons and ever getting all the looks when we'd travel outside of Utah. They're like, Oh my gosh, that's a whole family. <laughs> I'm like, why are they staring at us? What's, what's the matter? Doesn't everybody have eight kids in their family? Um, I just identified very much. So with the, with the Mormon religion, with the, this is, who I am. This is how I function. This is life. Mm. I had a different experience. Mm. I, I liked it. I could see that my mom and dad were very motivated to get back on track as they said, and be in, in something that was, um, a guidance in their life, something that they could live standards mm. to. And I mm -hmm. watched them do that. But I also watched them struggle back and forth, going between drinking and smoking to getting back into the church and being active and just this constant battle for them. Yeah. And I was terribly bored in church. <laughs> I just, Amanda, I, I, I wanted to just be outside and I wanted to be talking with my friends and playing and I couldn't sit still. It was it was really a difficult experience for me, but there was something that inspired me and that my parents wanted it so badly. So I'm like, okay, mom and dad want it. Maybe eventually I can get on board, but it was, it, I never fully identified. I always had questions. I always had doubts. I always had discomfort. So it was a back and forth for me. Mm. Yeah. And you guys were both married in the temple. Mm -hmm. Of course. So for Cammy's whole entire life, like not just a little bit Mormon. Like, Cammy, you mean you, Cammy, the one who's talking right now? Speaking <laughs> right now. Like, I was fully immersed. And like I would walk around and if someone was drinking caffeine, I would shame them. They couldn't have <sighs> too many earrings and tattoos or smoking cigarette. Like that is just not okay. What are you thinking? What kind of music are you listening to? Why don't you put on the LDS music? Like I was thick into it. Ha I was the perfect uh, child and had to implement that and put that on, on everyone else. My little sister wanted to go to an R-rated show and I bawled and bawled and begged her, don't ruin your 
Which little like, sister? I'm not. Gonna, I'm not gonna <laughs> name oh, names. But <laughs> one of them. One of the one of them. <laughs> and I just sobbed. I'm like, you'll you'll give up your whole celestial kingdom if you go to this R-rated show. Like, don't do it. And she oh. just was like, oh my gosh, Cammy, <laughs> holy cow! She went to the show and came home, and she was totally fine. And I was a wreck. I was 40 years old and had never seen an R-rated show, had never drank coffee. I'd never tasted coffee or alcohol or been around cigarettes. Like I just was that, I was that person, which is so crazy looking back. No kidding. You and I would not have gotten along, Cammy. (laughs) (laughs) Hell out of you, girl, because you have a tattoo and you have like yeah there's just so many different things this is indicative of what happens when you say i'm never going to or i'm like right. you judge it because you judge it you're gonna be it she's now with a very pierced tattooed swearing rated r going woman <laughs> woman yeah woman. we're gonna get into that <laughs> in just a minute. We are. Whoa, too fast back to your question back to your question in the temple so i was one of the judgmental people i was taught like from when I was little that this, this is the way it is. And if you even stray a little bit, then you will not have joy in your life and you'll risk eternal salvation. And so I was very hard on myself and everyone who came into my space. I had friends say, this was when we were younger. We were in high school. Cammie, I cannot be your friend. And I'm like, what? Why? Because you're just too good. And it drives me nuts. I, and I'm gonna I'm gonna do other things. So I just can't be friends with you. Like I felt punished because I was so good in quotation marks and very judgmental because of it. Mm. Interesting. I did uh, go through the temple, but it was a year after I got married. So you can put the pieces together there. <laughs> you were um, naughty. Oh, she I, was naughty. It wasn't naughty to me. It was very pleasurable and nice. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I did want some stability and some structure for the family that I always wanted. I always knew I wanted to be a mom. Yeah. I had one of those little hope chests with all of the family um, like contri- contributions of what my family gave me so that I could have what I needed to raise a family. So I had baby stuff. I had pots and pans. I even had Mm. food storage in this hope chest. I knew I wanted to be a mom and I felt like, and was taught that in order for me to be a good mom, I needed to have the church in my life. And so I, I adopted that. I'm like, okay, that makes some sense. But there was always this part of me that was just like, I am really struggling with rules and confines and boxes and, but okay. Everybody says, this is what you do. So I was very pregnant and, uh, in this big, huge tent, white dress, like it was a tent Oh, I went through the temple with, and I almost passed out because I was oh so my pregnant. Goodness. Oh my God. And I thought, this is the weirdest tent <laughs> I've ever seen. <laughs> this is so weird. It is a little weird. It's, it's weird. And my sweet dad prepared me. Your dad did. Your dad. Yes. Did. I said it, especially if nobody's really prepared you, it is some weird yeah. stuff. Yeah. I, I wasn't truly prepared for all. I mean, I love wearing costumes and getting dressed up, but this, <laughs> this was a little different. A little different. different. 
And here's Cammy. Like I served a mission. I graduated from BYU and then got married in the temple. Like I was just on the path. <laughs> I was you were on the straight and narrow. Life. Oh, mm-hmm. I was clutch to it, <laughs> clinging to the iron rod. <laughs> I was going to heaven no matter what. I was 24 when we got married in the temple and I'd never had sex. I'd never done like I remember one of the guys I was dating. When we were kissing, he reached down and touched my butt. I'm like, we're over. Like, this relationship's over. You are not allowed to do that. Like, I was so ridiculously strict. It was. was When I see us, I see you on the street narrow holding the little rod, and I see me diving in and out, going, hey, what you doing? Just check it in. Just check it in. Just making sure the path is here and I can see it. I'm going to go over here now. Woo! this visual that is so funny and r yeah yeah so you both have several children how many children do you each of you have so i have three kiddos i have six oh six six babies yeah so nine so married for how long i was married for 18 years i was married for 23 which happens to be the exact number of years my parents were married interesting how interesting is that very interesting. <laughs> so when did you both start getting into energy work? Did you start getting into energy work before you left? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I started youth for America back then, and then it became youth for freedom. And so working with the youngsters and the leadership conferences that I would put in, the energy was always a part of that. I didn't know it was that uh, later on people came in and said, Oh, you realize that you're working energy here. I'm like, I am. Oh no, I didn't know that. I didn't have that label, but um, it was definitely a part of, of the retreats and different things that I was involved in. I just mm-hmm. didn't have a label for it yet. Um, gosh, I ha- I feel like when I was younger, I would visit my family's cabin all the time and I would be outside or in the water it was ice cold water. I would be this little six-year-old and I would be picking up crystals and feeling them and picking up moss and feeling them. There was just this awareness ever since I was little. So gosh, I started homeschooling my kids, um, probably 15 years ago and started attending, um, Commonwealth type of things and was meeting people who had shared similar experiences were empaths talked about energy. And I, I was like, okay, this is, this is it. This is what my world was trying to tell me. So tell me more, teach me more. Mm. Um, And so I just kind of dove into seminars and classes and energy healing conferences and, and it, I loved it. And it was before, way before I left the church, I, I wanted it to be workable together. I wanted to build a bridge where both could work together. But when I talked about energy with a lot of my church friends, they were like, what are you talking about? That's <laughs> weird. Just go pray about it. I'm like, oh, that was a yeah. kind of a side slap to me because I, it was truth. Energy was truth to me. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so when that started conflicting with, with everything that the church was, I didn't understand that. I'm like, of course, of course, these two would go together. Why couldn't I be speaking at an energy healing conference and be a good Mormon? Right. Can't those two coexist and, and the, the way that the church viewed energy and energy healing, energy talk 
all of it was looked down upon and that just really confused me as to how how they could try to separate this i've mm-hmm. i've always been a seeker of truth and energy it just was mhm but that was a huge conflict when that came into like what why why would they label this a bad thing how could this not be a beautiful intricate part of what what the church believes yeah, i got right. a i'm like why aren't they teaching this mm-hmm. in church i mean basically the priesthood is energy work like why aren't they teaching and implementing this i was very very confused cuz i could see i could start to see how it was basically energy in all the scriptural references when they're talking about it. Like there's just a reference to it. You could feel it. And I, I was very confused. Like this is all the same thing. Like it's right. just here. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like so to was- hear my testimony of energy work. Please. <laughs> <laughs> was this part of your, like the beginning of the unwinding out of religion for both of you? Ooh, that's a good question. That that was probably my first like how do these not coexist? I I shouldn't be in trouble for being in this world. Um so probably I hadn't even thought of it that way of the unraveling cuz it's just it, I was relief society president at 30 and I was doing energy work like the different activities that I would orchestrate were out of the box and not we're making a quilt but we're coming together and connecting and looking in each other's eyes and Mm. and building the connection and the foundation and the friendships and we're washing each other's feet Mm -hmm. and serving one another and when we I would go in to serve a family it wasn't here's a casserole I would gather the the women and say, like, you go massage the mama's feet while I'm cleaning spaghetti off the wall while you're playing with her children out back. Like, it mm-hmm. was an entire uh, different way. And, and some people really appreciated that. Some people were like, what the heck is going on? Aren't you going to just drop off some dinner for us? Why do you have to come into my home and talk to me about my relationships with my kids? Like what's Uh happening here. So that I just pulled it in because it was part of me. And I, when I would get uh, in trouble for it, I, I didn't back down. I'm like, this is, this is love. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And Mm -hmm. so I didn't understand what any other point of view. And I, I, I did keep that to my core. I think the biggest unraveling um, for, for me was I had two brothers who had, who were living their gay lifestyle and I was taught to that they were sinners they were diseased they were yeah. um, going to hell they were <clears throat> ruining things for our whole family I judged them very harshly um, and did not accept them for who they were and for their choices mm. and when that started unraveling for me, I'm like, these are my brothers and I'm treating them horribly, not in the, not out here, but in my mind thinking that they were these terrible things that like, how could you do this to to our family? You're going to leave some empty seats in the celestial kingdom. What are you, you know, wouldn't you think about us first? 
over over choosing this sinful life. Mm-hmm. And in 2015, when the church came out with any child of gay, a gay couple is not welcome in the church, they can't be baptized. I hit a wall. I'm like, the church has never come forward and said, if you're the child of a prostitute, if you're the child of a murderer, if you're the child of uh, all of these different things that we called sin, you are fine. You're welcome. But this one's different. Why? Right. And that that um, really hit me hard. And I started seeing my brothers as my brothers. Mm for the first time in a long time and went through a lot of sadness for how I've, I'd held them in what the church taught me to, to hold them in, which is, it was wrong to me. Mm. It, it shattered my heart and burst, burst me wide open to say, what, what is going on with my relationship with the church? Who am I? Who do I want to be? Where's the truth in all of this? Hmm. So it forced you to question. I love that. Um, the biggest unraveling as I'm looking back. Um, so in 2011, I was asked to film a, a Christian movie about pornography. And um, it was a, the, the role I played was a woman who divorced her husband because he became addicted and abusive. And it was her single life and how she was getting back on track in her life. And it was a three week process. I left my family for three weeks and it was something that I was passionate about at the time. My dad was, um, had experienced porn addiction. My husband at the time had experienced it. And I was feeling like I was being a voice and creating hope for people. And, um, I came home after that three weeks feeling just alive. Like I was on purpose. Mm. I had succeeded in something that I had dreamt about in my youth. I wanted to be a a star. I wanted to be on the big screen. And this was, this was my dream. And Mm. it was in my opinion, something that was worthwhile because of the message. But after that three weeks, I came home and was met with uh, intense questioning Mm-hmm. Um, doubts from my ex. Um, he was very upset that I would leave our family to do something that I loved. He wasn't that her was, ex at the time. No, he was. He was yes at the time. He was my husband, but he he questioned a lot, and um, I felt a lot of shame, a lot of his shame, but it was being projected onto me. And he told me, he said. After he watched the premiere, he goes, I don't understand how this could work. You were basically the porn on the screen. I was in a a cycling outfit most of the time. That was my role. I was a cyclist. So I had one of those cute little tight shorts, but it had basically a diaper in it. And then the little, I mean, you know, the padded bum. Padded bum. And I could not fathom, like, I, I am... I am on the path of, of finding my dreams. And I started hearing from my bishop and my other friends that I took way too much time away from my family, that I shouldn't have pursued something like this. Um, it was just conflicting, so conflicting in my mind. How 
I could be out there doing something that had this beautiful message of inspiration for so many people and come home and was met with shame Mm -hmm. and judgment. And it did not make sense. It also did not make sense to me that I, I had been doing all the things, morning scripture time and family prayers and um, everything that was suggested, attending my meetings. And I did not feel what everybody says is uh, spiritual or spirit. I didn't feel the spirit. I didn't feel in line. I didn't feel like our family was getting closer. I was doing all the things. and it didn't feel like anything was ever improving or, or connection was happening. It was just a constant, we have to do this force, 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 because it's the right thing to do. That's how we do it family. So let's get on board. Well, and that's what you're taught that you do in order to have the things that you want. You earn earn your worth (laughs) and your happiness by checking off all of these boxes. And then for some reason, it doesn't show up. And I was a box checker pro. I had boxes upon boxes and I added boxes at the end of the day, just so that I could have more boxes. I did all of the things and still wondered why I felt that way. There was always this, something is missing. And it was, and it it was close to that time that I realized it was me. (laughs) I was missing. Yeah. Well, the, the truth that our worth isn't negotiable. No, I, I, we, I was trained that I had to earn it. I had to earn my worth each day. I had to earn the love from God. And if I did these things, then I would have it. And I did all those things, but still lived in so much shame and feelings of unworthiness. How, how is that possible if their formula was correct? Mm, Great question. Oh my goodness. I love this so much. So you two became friends. Tell me like, let's keep coming down this trajectory, this path and you guys know where I'm going. So what continued, (laughs) what continued from here with your unraveling and unwinding out of religion? Yeah. So we, for me, I was so excited about attending some of these seminars where I was hearing more and more of the truths that I wanted to hear when I attended church, but wasn't. Uh So I, I, I'm like, this is where I get to go. These seminars, these classes, um, these mentors. So I, um, in 2012 attended a seminar with my then husband and Cammie Mitchell happened to be down the row from me. I did not Cammie know who she Mitchell. was, <laughs> but she happened to be in my row of all the universal plannings. She was in my row and I was still pretty uh, good at being prepared, a prepared mom and wife. So I had 16 bags at my feet. There was probably a bag of notebooks, a bag of snacks, a bag of jackets, a bag of uh, food store things that people might need. So <laughs> just in case, <laughs> yeah, a 72 hour kit in case we got stuck in the seminar building because there was a natural disaster. I yes. would be prepared because the end of days, you know, yeah. you just never know. Prepared. I, I did take some of those teachings seriously. <laughs> I so, did too. <laughs> we oh, all yeah. did. We, we all did. did. There's a lot of fear with uh, it, anyway. so we would take them serious. Yeah. <laughs> right? 
it worked. <laughs> they put fear into our souls. Mm-hmm. Fear is motivating. It is, and it will get the job done, but it will, it will cause us our health and our psyche and our many other things. It does yeah. get the job done. I'll tell you that. Fear and shame are huge motivations huge. For, for that yeah. lifestyle, which yeah. is incredibly heavy and mm-hmm. different than what they actually try to t- tell us they're teaching us. You yeah. know, it's so crazy. Different than what God is. Different yeah. than what God my God is. Love, not mm-hmm. fear and shame. Yeah. They're so different. Yeah. Okay. So, so. anyways, I, I had pe- been well prepared and so I had this mountain of bags at my feet and this sweet little soul needed to go to the bathroom and I could see that she had come to my mountain and was trying to navigate which way she would go to get to the bathroom so I I'm like I I will help her I will help her so I reached up to grab her hand and help her over the mound and she stopped which was it was surprising because I'm like, I'm actually helping you. And, and so I, I, you got to follow through with my hand holding to get over the mound, but she stopped and looked at me and had this perplexed look on her face. Touch like once her hand touched my hand, that energy, I recognized it. I knew it. I knew it from (laughs) lifetimes. I knew I knew it. And so I was like, Oh my gosh, who is this? And I flipped around and shockingly, I didn't recognize her physical form, and it scared me. <laughs> so mm-hmm. she, she did. She had this. <gasps> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> uh, and I'm like, whoa. Do I have a booger? Like, what <laughs> happened? <laughs> There's something on my face. Something on my face. You look so shocked. <laughs> Finally, she gathered herself up and and climbed over the mountain, and and um, it was a little bit later where we all were all separated into groups of three, and she comes right up to me and she goes, "You're in my group," and I'm like, "Ooh, she knows what she wants, this girl." <laughs> <laughs> a little bit bossy. <laughs> it's a roads thing, I maybe maybe, oh. but I loved it, and I said I will absolutely be in your group. I am intrigued by who this soul is. So we were in a group of three, and we don't even remember who the third person was. We were so like enamored, enamored by. I was enamored by her brilliance, her wit, her like she was laughing at my jokes, which of course is always endearing and dirty. <laughs> that's why I liked it (laughs) she gets my jokes and she's not shaming me for my jokes (laughs) we were finishing each other's sentences and our sandwiches like we just hit it off really really quickly and um exchanged phone numbers that day she lived in St. George at the time I lived in Idaho so we knew we wouldn't be able to immediately get together but just to stay in touch I remember writing in my journal after mm, afterwards just that I had met this soul that I recognized and I loved being in her space and her energy just it lit me up and I was bawling as I was writing in my journal I'm like I already miss her and I just met her <laughs> and, oh that reconnection was incredible well and I like she tried to leave that first seminar 
before she said goodbye. And I texted her and I said, you get your ass back in here and you say goodbye to me. (laughs) (laughs) I already was so comfortable. We were literally just friends for two hours. I was so comfortable. I climbed on her lap and just froze her. I'm like, you don't get to leave. I get to hold you for two more minutes. And we just, we, it was the weirdest thing. It was like we had known each other for centuries, centuries. Oh, that's beautiful. So where does the story go from here, ladies? (laughs) Well, we were still very married, still very LDS. So we, it was like a veil over our eyes. Like we couldn't see anything see beyond what a best we, friendship we could was. be besties that's mm-hmm. that was what the role yeah. that we got here and so we created um women's retreats so that we could come together and play and then also influence other adults into it was mostly around play mm-hmm. reconnecting to themselves and falling in love with with their inner child and that meant that she and I got to be together. We would, we would hold the retreats in the center of our travels and be able to play that way. Mm -hmm. We also um, would follow the seminars and, and say, this one looks good. Let's go to that one. And most of them were held in the Salt Lake area. Mm -hmm. So we would go halfway and, and have a few days of, of playtime at the seminars and, it just was this blooming, beautiful friendship, immediate best friendship. And I, I, there was something about her. I could not put my finger on it, but I'm like, I don't know why I want to be in her space all the time, but yeah, it just yeah. must be that we were, we are like soul friends, just soul mm-hmm. friends. Mm-hmm. Had to keep it at friends. <laughs> Couldn't say necessarily soul mates. Cause that would be, that would be a okay. whole other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I got to keep it to, I knew her somehow we were sisters or friends or related in, in years, centuries, eons, lifetimes. So we made it happen. We, we got to see each other and we knew there was something special about this friendship. And a lot of people would tell us, you guys have this synergy. Like you just, when you come together, you can feel it on the other side of the planet, you can feel it on the other side of the universe. There's something happening when you two get together and we knew that and we could feel it. Mm. So how many years did you do this dance? Mm-hmm. Six. So we, we met in 2012 and mm. um, in two- it was about six years of best friendship and trying to navigate what on earth this was, yeah. mm-hmm. um, but loved every minute that we got to spend together. We were like, I pulled Shelby into anything and everything that I could get her into. Like that I had her come speak at youth for freedom and she would work with the kids and we had the improv night and she would do that with <laughs> us. And then we would meet at seminars together that we were both being certified like as different mentors and energy healing modalities we would just anything that we could land in the same space together (laughs) we would I was in awe at Shelby um I remember an experience I had learned in therapy about this holding technique Mm -hmm. and where you put your heart to to the other person's heart one person's held like a baby and totally supported and I would try this 
at home with my husband, but then it, he, it would turn sexual and it could like the holding wasn't this, it wasn't a place for sexual anything. And so I would ask my friends, like, would you hold me? Would you do this holding? I really think that this could be a powerful healing for me and connection. And like, they would just laugh at me. Oh, Cammy, you're ridiculous. Um, and I would get shamed for it. Uh, but I knew that that's something that my heart needed was to be held, just held no, nothing else, no agenda. Yeah. And so early on in our friendship, I told Shelby about this holding. She had recently lost her papa and I offered to hold her and she climbed right into my arms and just sobbed and sobbed mm. and sobbed. It was the most beautiful healing and connection. And like, I felt her father within me holding her. Like it was mm. so incredible. And then to watch her sob, I'm like, wow, this girl, she's so connected to her emotions. She can feel her feelings so big. It was incredible to me. Mm. And then when she was done being held, she goes, okay, Cammy, it's your turn. And I, I just stopped like, I'm like, but nobody offers this to me. Like, but this has never been available to me. Are you sure? And she's like, come here, come get in my arms. And I, for the first time in a long time, I had tears that were coming out of my eyes. And that for me was, I'm like, I am sobbing here. And it was this incredible experience. And, and Shelby's like, honey, that you just have tears, but that's not. Crying. I mean, I, mean, I see that I see that you feel it's crying. This is for you. What mm-hmm. crying is? <laughs> I'm like, yes, it was so beautiful. I haven't, I haven't had a tear drop from it in a long time. Like that was so. And she's like, okay, we, we got some work to do. <laughs> she, we have some more tears in there that would like to come out. They're just leaking out right now, yeah. but there's a whole flood in there. And that she wants to come. worked with me, and in, in, in this unconditional space where shame and judgment wasn't a part of it, mm. she just let me be me. For the first time, I felt like in my life without any, that's gross. Don't do that. We don't, uh-uh, no. Um, why would I do that? Like nothing. It was like, you want to be held? Come mm-hmm. here. And mm-hmm. it just was an incredible free space for me to be all of me and open my heart space to the emotions that like growing up, emotions were safe if I was happy. But any other emotions were I was a bad girl and I needed to go on timeout. And so any other experiences of sadness or anger or shame weren't allowed. They weren't welcomed. Um, And so to have her mentor me through that process and allow my feelings to be felt, all of them, not just the happy ones, it was an incredible journey. Mm -hmm. And the friendship just grew. From there, and yeah. I was so like intrigued by this woman who was a quote unquote good Mormon girl, but so willing to try things that are out of the norm. Like, I mm-hmm. just was like, Who are you that you would want to like try this new process of holding? I've never seen this before, I've never heard of it, but my heart's like, Do it, it's amazing. <laughs> and 
that this woman who is also a good Mormon would be willing to do that and not go, ew, that's weird. Because my heart longed for connections like that so big and to find someone who is willing to do it. And at the, the safety that we created, the beautiful, loving energy, there was nothing off about it. There was nothing sexual about it. There, it was just this beautiful, nurturing, healing space. And I'm like, I want more of this. And she's willing to introduce and, and show me what she's learned. And I'd like to learn more and share what I've learned and have that experience with someone who won't go. We probably need to go see the bishop now. What are you doing? <laughs> what are we? So like, Amanda, just, like with uh, refreshing with what no you were kidding. talking about at the beginning, like when these two worlds collided, I had to ask myself, I really had to sit with this feels true to me. But the guidance of the church says no. Like I met with my husband dragged me into the counselor and and said she likes sleeping with her girlfriends when she goes on girlfriend trips and she sleeps in the same bed. Oh my and the counselor's like, that is not allowed. That is not okay. This is absolutely outside of the the church's standards. And I'm like, I grew up with eight kids. We we had I had three sisters in my bed all the time. Like this is just core to who I am. And he's like, you have to stop. This isn't okay. So like I had to take, but this feels okay. It feels truth to me. And the church is saying no. Where do I stand now? Yeah. When when energy working with energy feels absolutely divine and spiritual to me, and then the counsel of of what was coming in is you got to stop that. What, what do I do? And, and all of these conflicting pieces of where do I, where do I go? Do I stand up for my own truth or do I just go back to, okay, someone else said it's not okay. I have to let it go. And so that like added to the unraveling of my relationship with someone else telling me what the truth is versus the truth is inside me. And will I honor that? Yeah. Mm. I'm remembering the first time we had um, spent the night in the same space because we had a seminar the next day. So we met at a friend's house and stayed in their spare room. And I remember letting her know, like, I, I might cuddle you. I I hope that's okay. Cause sometimes I, I kind of go towards the warm body and and the warm body doesn't want to have sex with me. So I will definitely probably lean towards you. <laughs> and she just dropped everything. And she goes, are you joking? I'm like, no, I, are you okay? Like, no. Okay. Is that a no for you? And she's like, no, I just don't know very many people like that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, shut up. And we both jumped in the bed and I'm like, big spoon. I'm a big spoon. <laughs> And I pulled her in and I just snuggled up to her and I felt so at peace and so okay. Like this was just fine. I fell asleep. I like, I was just so comfortable, so safe. And she told me later, she's like, I stayed awake the whole time because I couldn't believe it was happening. Well, I was, I was just in shock crying because <laughs> it, it was so beautiful to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so starting to unravel, like the the relationship that we had with the church versus all all the things that started to happen and that wasn't allowed in my marriage like i'm not allowed to question the church 
Um, and I would have been the first one to say that to my husband the day before. I'm like, yeah, I would have told you that, you know, all of, all of my life, this is not a, something you can question. You have to just stay here. And I, yet I was the one looking at my relationship to God versus my relationship mm-hmm. to God, according to the church's view. And I'm like, that's not the God that I subscribe to. I remember knowing that on my mission, they were like, here's your list of everything that you need to do. This is from God and go out and do it. And I'm like, God, what do I do? Not this. Okay. And I had nine baptisms where the average Mm. baptism for a missionary in Hungary was one and a half. Um, Why? Because I was connected to God. And I followed that. He was he was the one that gets to direct me, not a person who's in between him and me. And I, I have always known that as my truth. And this, the the God that I know and grew up with and was very close with was starting to be very different to me than than the one that I'd been told about and and described in within the the realms of of the belief system. I think this is part of our relatability. Relatability. Mm. (laughs) Scratch that. Rewind. Relatability. (laughs) Um, Because there was that, that knowing that there was something speaking to me that was my own, that was different than what everybody else was saying, the authorities, the leaders. Um, And so to, to be able to have conversations around that with her and have her understand have someone see me and I see her um, and, and to be able to grow and develop and follow that with someone like a best friend that you adore, like how, how much better can it get to be mm-hmm. able to do this self-discovery um, and find our own answers that have always been within and, and being able to learn to trust those and, and feel like you have support. Um, that was one of the things that that we really enjoyed doing is learning how to trust ourselves bigger together and have someone to bounce it off of. Mm. Um, and, and still knowing that there's this background of church voice that we get to navigate. And I, I just, I want to shout out to all the people who are experiencing that or have, because it's not an easy way to go. It's, there's a lot of voices, a lot of voices outwardly and inwardly from the past that speak loudly saying you're, you're doing it wrong. Shame on you. You shouldn't have done that. That's not the right way. I still, to this day, sometimes hear those. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's not, um, it's not for the faint of heart. And so I just want to celebrate all of those people who realize that there's truth within them their own truth within them and that they are navigating beautiful waters and it has a beautiful payoff. It does. Finding the godness within a godness within and, and just climbing into that truth. You can't, you cannot fabricate that piece. No, that is like this deliciousness that once, once we started tasting that, and increasing the love that we had for ourselves. <clears throat> that was a huge part of the journey because until I really loved myself, I didn't trust and I didn't listen fully. 
I would take someone else's authority over me and, and change my ways mm. um, until I really started gaining that absolute compassion and non-judgmental place for myself, holding, holding myself in a place of love instead of holding myself um, in a place of shame and fear and you have tos and you need tos and you shoulds. Um, all of that started unraveling and finding that love for me and building the trust back here. When I was little, I had that trust like crazy. Um, through the marriage, I stopped trusting me because I had an authority figure who said, no, it's my way. And this is righteous. And this is what we do. And I would be like, oh, gosh, I didn't feel that. But okay. Um, yeah, I, I want to go to the celestial kingdom. I want to be a good wife. I want to be a good Relief Society president, whatever. So I would give my authority over um, to others outside of me. When my marriage was breaking apart and I was getting out of it, the psychologist told me, he's like, this is going to take you 18 months to start revamping and coming back into your own because you have been so willing to give control over to any to anyone else and so to come back and find that trust he's like you've got 18 months worth of work and saying no and learning how to come back and find who you are what your truth is um and all of this was unraveling at the same time my relationship with the church was was coming to a close my relationship in the marriage was also coming to a close. They were kind of happening simultaneously and it took a long time for me. It, I'm a slow paced person and this was my whole identity. So to take, yeah, that wasn't a fast thing for me. Like this took years. Um, it was probably six years worth of my marriage that was back and forth and back and forth and so many different counselors and mentors and helpers and things for me to to start seeing that maybe this isn't what is working for me. Um, and then with my relationship with the church, I was 40 years old and starting to Shelby had to train me how to say a swear word and give myself permission to just do things because I wanted to do them. And I couldn't even say the swear word at first. So you had to assign numbers. <laughs> She's like, okay. instead of saying shit, you'll say one. And then she had me practice. Holy one. <laughs> Whoa, that felt naughty. Okay. Um, let me try again. <laughs> like It was a ridiculously long process, but I feel like my identity, my very, who I saw myself as, it wasn't true, but it's who I thought I was, yeah. was this good Mormon girl and, and wife <laughs> and heterosexual and mm -hmm. like all, all the, the labels that I had lived and proclaimed and judged everyone else for, if they weren't those things, um, they came in for me to look at and the love that I had grown for myself mm -hmm. finally was able to answer that that's not a, a piece of me moving forward. So when yeah. you look at all of this, Amanda, like, isn't the LDS church kind of like the coolest mystery school ever? <laughs> like if you consider it for a second, if we go right. in and we actually find ourselves through 
finding what we're not mm-hmm. and what's not working and where truth isn't and and have that experience and come at, to the other side having realized our godness like truly oh, yeah. there's a lot of gratitude that i'm feeling mm-hmm. it was rough and it's hard and there's still some feelings towards the church that i do have and and get to be with but for the most part i feel a lot of gratitude for that whole mystery school mm-hmm. of the mormonism world that taught me about me yeah. and brought me back home. Yeah. So much appreciation. <laughs> so much. It was an awesome K through 12. Yes, exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> long, long schooling. Um, college is really fun. <laughs> <laughs> A little bit more fun. Uh, yes. I signed up for that. Yeah. Shelby, so, yours? yeah, you go. Go ahead. Like, so the breaking up her, her marriage was very interesting. I could see it from the outside. Mm-hmm. Shelby would call me hiding under her stairs, frightened for her life. She'd left her kids upstairs. She didn't know what was going to happen to them. And she's breathing in panic. And I'm like, this is not normal. Like mm-hmm. call the cops. Uh, what? And she's like, what? No, he just, this is how we, this is how it happened. I this just need a timeout. I would just say that. I just need I'm to just be just sure away. he needs to simmer yeah. down and then everything will be okay. Um, I saw it as very toxic and like, I couldn't like, I'm like, it's not fun and it's hard. And of course I can, I live with the guy so I can see his wounds. I can see what he struggles with. I can see Mm -hmm. his family dynamic and know why, why he's like that. So there was a lot of um, justifying my choice to stay. Um, There was uh, I, I mean, I was married to a doctor and his family was a family of doctors. So my family was well provided for. Um, and he was a lot of the things that I had felt I wanted in a man. When I first met him, there were so many things that on the list, you know, the check marks, the boxes right. checked <laughs> off all those boxes. So I had found a good one. And so a lot of it, I just thought it was me. Like I, I, there was something off with me and I would tell God all the time. I'm like, God, he's a pretty good man. He's an amazing father. Like you get, you get to fix me, like change my heart. Cause I, I'm having a hard time staying here. I don't want to be in this marriage. And I think it's just my shit. I, I said stuff at the time. I don't know if I said shit. Her <laughs> um, bishop counsel was have more sex with your husband. Oh, well, that was later on, but yes, he's like, you leave too much. And I, I did, I left because I couldn't be in the same space with him. I didn't want to be. Okay. Yeah. So one of the stories for <laughs> Shelby is when she, she was having terrible back pain. She was going into mm-hmm. the chiropractor all the time. Like her back was falling apart and she was um, looking at shots, maybe surgery, all this stuff. She'd get in the car and drive. And as she would drive away, she could walk. She was fine sitting normal. Her back Mm -hmm. was completely fine. We would go through the retreat. She'd get back in the car and head home and call me and say, oh my gosh, my back's hurting again. My body stopped working. Her body just didn't function anymore. It didn't show up in the sexual world with him. It didn't function there. It just, my body was saying no more. Like this isn't, this isn't happening, but I. I said there was something wrong with me. I'm like, you've got 
God, you've got to change my heart. You've got to change. You've got to have me fall in love with him again. Cause I know I'm supposed to be here forever and I can't be in this space. I'm such a romantic. I love so big and there's, there's something broken. So if you could just, you know, adjust the knobs somehow, like God, just, whatever knobs I have. Is tribute. <laughs> I'll help with those knobs, Shelby. <laughs> they don't need adjusting, but I will let you play with them all you want. The knobs finally work. <laughs> there you go. They just finally work. So it was a it was a slow process of realizing that it, there was more than one person involved in the marriage. It wasn't all my fault. It wasn't all his fault. We were no longer compatible, and I realized that. And I realized I had chosen into something. Because it was uh, this uh, fairy tale. Hmm. You married, you get married, you have kids. I knew I wanted all of those things. Um, I thought I was in love with this man. Looking back, I was in love with the idea of the man and the life. Knowing what being in love is now, I can feel the difference when I am looking at this woman and going, I am in love with her. And whatever life comes with that is beautiful, but the soul is what I want to be with and whatever else is outside doesn't matter where before it was all these things had to be a part of the package for me to go say, yes, again, it was a whole, all these things that you want to get back in the church. You want to have kids. You want to be a doctor. You have a great family. Awesome. It's the whole package. I'm in love with it. Yes. I'll marry you. And so realizing that I actually wasn't in love with the person and to take accountability and responsibility for that was heavy because I had chosen into something and it would impact so many lives now because I, I chose into it what for what I felt was the wrong reasons. But I can see now looking back my innocence, I was doing what I knew, doing my best. Yeah. Um, and I was oh, was only 19 years old at the time. Mm-hmm. So just can being be. compassionate. I was so little and gentle with myself and how does Shelby get to show up now and realize that I had lost myself in the fairy tale. I had lost myself in the story or the, the paradigm of what a good Mormon mom looks like. i had lost myself completely. So it was in 2016, I went to a friend's birthday party who also was one of our co-facilitators for some of our retreats. And she, she got in my face oh, and she, goes, she got in my face because I was, I was like already in pain because my, my husband at the time was in, in, um, he was struggling pretty big that I had left again to go to my friend's birthday party. He was furious and angry and shaming and it was heavy. So when I chose to leave, I was heavy. I felt heavy and she addressed it and she's like, what's happening? And I shared a little bit of, here's another experience of me wanting to be somewhere and feeling horrible about it. I'm so tired of it. So she got in my face and she goes, Shelby, when in the fuck are you going to actually choose yourself? Mm. When in the fuck are you going to choose you? Like she was very direct, very in my face full of fiery love. It wasn't, she wasn't, yeah, it wasn't a bullying. It was a, let's just talk straight. Let's just lay it all out here. Shelby, why are you not choosing you after all the things you've been learning, after all the things you've been teaching women, after all the retreats you've been, 
you aren't choosing you. So step up. And I'm like, shit, shit. <laughs> so I went home that from that birthday party. And after days of crying, being scared, thinking of all the possibilities, the what ifs of all the things that could hurt, how it could hurt people, how it could go wrong, how I don't have a college degree, how I blah, 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 all of the stories that would wanted to stop me. I chose to trust what had been driving me for a long time and knowing that I don't belong there. My soul is not thriving. So I, two days before my ex-husband's birthday, I chose to tell him I was divorcing him and there was nothing that was going to change my mind. It was, it was rough. And he said, please do not tell the kids until after Christmas. Cause it was in December. And, um, I did choose to wait and tell the kids, but I knew once I told the kids that it, it would be even more solid, solid for me if I could tell everyone that it's happening and that mm-hmm. I'm sticking to my guns. So that was in 2016 <clears throat> and I was celebrating the hell out of Shelby <laughs> for getting out of a, a marriage that wasn't serving either of them. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the love that you have to have for yourself also allows you to love the other person and say that we're not. We're not good together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's energy is not. He helpful. was not happy. No, neither of you were. And so I'm celebrating her and excited for her. Um, we're still doing seminars, uh, working on my relationship with with the church, finding my truth and and coming into reality checks for myself. And about six months later. Uh, my husband came to me and said, I am divorcing you. I am in love with another woman. And this wasn't the first time that that happened, but I gave myself 10 days to, to feel into if I was going to beg him to stay and do all the things that he his list of things that I had to do in order for him to consider staying with me. One of, well, many of those things were the church is non-negotiable. I had to be a part of the church and he was willing to look at his relationship with this girl. If I was willing to do all these things, one of the things was give up my friendship with shelves, like just all these different things, which I had done over and over and over in my marriage. Like when he, said that I needed to do these things. I did. I changed them and stopped trusting me. I trusted him and made the marriage work. Um, But both of us were miserable. I took that time in warm water and next to streams and in the mountains and realized that this whole paradigm of this eternal marriage that was going to last forever, like it wasn't, it hadn't even brought me happiness in years. Why, why would I want to hold on to something hoping that in the, in the celestial kingdom, maybe we'll be happy, but we're miserable here. Like what, what in the good night was I thinking? Um, but that love that I had found for myself, that was the piece that gave me permission to say, I also choose out of this because mm. I choose me. And I, in the sandy beach, I wrote, I choose me put my feet in, took a picture. I'm like, this is me moving forward. I came back to him and said, um, we are 
getting a divorce where, and I'm not, this is not negotiable from here on out. Cause he would threaten that. Um, and then he pulled back, well, this isn't really what I wanted. Let's just change. Let's do this different. It was never, never something that I questioned again. I had found my truth. I loved myself enough to finally choose me. My relationship with the church was changing and different. I, I went and talked to the bishop and said, we're getting a divorce. And he's like, I don't support you in that. And I said, that's uh, okay. Thank you for that. Mark is divorcing me and it's happening. So you can not support us in that, but it's happening. It's like, no no, your kids deserve better and you guys need to stay together. And this is the only way. And in that Bishop's interview, I found that my relationship with God was above my relationship with the Bishop and his relationship with God Mm -hmm. telling me what I could and couldn't do. And I let him know that this is happening. Thank you for voicing that you don't support it. It is what it is. And this is what's going on. Um, he didn't believe me about any anything that I had portrayed. I'm like, this was my marriage for the, all these years. He's like, nope, nope. This, no, you can't be telling me the truth. Um, a month later, he texted me and said, I verified every single thing that you shared and i apologize well that's nice we're telling me the <laughs> truth how nice but either way i'm getting divorced because i am in charge of me you. Mm-hmm. i think if those bishops like the bishop that told me you need to sleep with your husband more and and give him more sex and the bishop that told cammy that you need to stay in the marriage i like there's this tendency to follow the book the the manual there's a right. process. You live and by the letter it, of the law. Yes. And it's, it, there's no spirit of the law when it comes to that. When we're right. completely doing it by the book, you know, suggest to people to stay, stay in their marriages when, when they're not happy, suggest to others that you, you should keep having sex with the husband without any consideration of the single human, the, the, the experience that's so unique to a book. The book doesn't mm-hmm. cover every experience, every soul, every wound, every it's got to be, it's got to be led by the spirit. He's got to like the, the leadership when they are tuned in, if he had tuned in that day, he didn't. And it's perfect. But had he, he would have known without needing to have Cam explain everything. He could tune in to what is true. And there's sadness in me that the manual has take, taken precedence over listening to their hearts and to listening to the spirit and how many people have been impacted and affected because of the constant drilling, trust your leaders, trust your leaders, trust your leaders, but it's an individual basis. <laughs> it's not, it cannot be covered by a manual. Mm-mm. It has to be led by the heart, by God, by the soul. It just there, yeah, I, I'm noticing I feel a lot of sadness mm-hmm. around all the people and their experiences have been beautiful and perfect and their mystery schools have been just right for them. Mm-hmm. But I do notice there is there is sadness and gratitude for those who have chosen into saying no 
Mm-hmm. Not today, Bish. <laughs> yeah. Your words actually don't supersede mine or my connection with yeah. God, that piece. Yeah. And I had to get to, I had to unravel a lot to get to that point where I loved myself enough, trusted myself enough to say that actually I know what's best for me. Thank you for yeah. your counsel and relying on, on me. Mm-hmm. Um, for most of my life, I didn't do that. Well, you look at, you go, there's a little bit of a lag. Sorry, Cammie, go, sweetie. Um, I remember earlier on when the bishop called me and said, you're going to be the next Relief Society president. I'm like, I don't feel like that's true. And he's like, that's fine. Go home and we'll we'll, um, set you apart in three days. And I'm like, but I said, (laughs) but I said, no. And he's like, yep, that's fine. That's nice. We'll set you apart in a few days. I didn't have a say and I was set apart. I was pregnant and my pregnancy went crazy wild. And I was in bed for a huge part of that, that um, being Relief society president. And it was a lot on me. Yeah. Even though I couldn't get out of bed, I still, it weighed on, I'm not serving the women. I'm not doing the, pro, you know, and I, I think about that. I'm like, man, had I just, really been listened to that it was a no for me but it wasn't accepted it was talk yeah that's nice pat pat <laughs> you're the next relief society president and so like it's just interesting to to look at how when did we give up trusting ourselves and give it to someone else what were you going to say amanda well i was just going to say that um i mean that last question that you asked is when did we give up ourselves and we're trusting someone else you did the minute you entered that church because there is so always an intermediate an intermediary between you and god within the mormon church and within most religions not just within the mormon church but i find it really fascinating the negotiation piece that you talked about with your marriage well if you do this then i'll do this or i'm willing to stay if you do these things and i And in some ways, it's kind of how religion actually has set up that construct too, as far as relationships. And I haven't really put those two together and how much we do have this. And I don't know what the word is, but you can feel it, the sense of giving up more and more of who we are for the sake of someone else. Called sacrifice. Yeah. There's another piece of sacrifice. Yeah. Within the church. Go figure. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Cross and it's, we bear. yeah. Be like Christ. Sacrifice yourself for the good of your family. Mm-hmm. Sacrifice and compromise. Yeah. And and let's not be happy while we're doing it. And how, you know, and, and where he brings the children into this, it's like actually I'm gonna do a better job as a parent showing my children what a happy and actual love looks like versus staying in a marriage where it's not happy and it's not a co-creative relationship or it's not healthy. That's not People teaching. Not thriving. Yeah. There's no thriving happening. It's just surviving, which is also equal to enduring. Mm-hmm. Enduring like to, to me, the enduring, end. Mm-hmm. Enduring and surviving are synonymous. They're the same. Mm-hmm. And so just survive to the end. Blech. I don't know no, if I would you. ever choose it for that. We did. I know. But I don't know if I would you ever didn't do realize it that's what you were doing. <laughs> We didn't. Like, wait a second. And now I'm choosing into thriving. Like, it's, I I had the opportunity to choose into it. So I knew what I did not want so that I could 
live a life of how I wanted it to be. Yeah. Just, yeah, thriving for me. I'm pro pro thriving over here. (laughs) So how did you two end up together? How did that, do you mind sharing? And how was that for you? Because I mean, this is a huge pendulum swing. Leaving Mormonism, no longer married to a man. And then we're swinging completely over. I remember Amanda having an entire file of all of the articles anybody has ever written about gay people eventually taking over the church (laughs) and trying to um, infiltrate temples and, and their big agenda. Like I was so on board this, I don't even know, like this movement of what would happen if we continue to support gay people in their agenda. I had articles upon articles. And it wasn't until I met a beautiful soul that actually facilitated my son through a process that was very healing for me, for him and for me, and found out later that she was gay. Mm. But I watched her in like just the most purest love. And he looked up to her and appreciated her. And I'm like, wait a minute, you can't be gay because you're good. You're nice. And you're, (laughs) you're like full of love. And I like this, that's, this is so weird. Like you can't be. And she's, she became one of my very best friends and that shifted everything. I threw everything away. I'm like, this, this isn't applicable. This isn't true. There are so many good people. Like she would literally be standing at the cash register and buy the, the, the cash cashier, a candy bar. Just her heart was so beautiful. She's like, I'd like to buy you something for your break today. Like I'd watch this all the time. I'm like, she can't, she can't be bad. She can't be evil. This is just off. And so it, it did throw me for a loop in that what I believed for so long was being pointed out and shown to me person after person and more and more people that I loved was, they were coming out and, and saying, you know, I am having this experience and I learned to love, I, I actually remember having close friends in high school too, when I wasn't in the church that were gay. And I, I remember them being so enjoyable and fun. I preferred gay men over girls. They were less catty for some Mm -hmm. reason and they cuddle, but not want sex. They were perfect friends. (laughs) Um, but so the, the idea of me having any attraction toward women wasn't ever a thing. I always had the, the, half naked men posters on my ceiling and on my walls. I, I just really, really not me. I had the loved, Mormon ads. Loved, <laughs> I had the posters <laughs> a little bit different. <laughs> my mom really wanted me to have the Mormon ads on there. But I'm like, sure. Underneath my big, beautiful poster. Of oh, my God. <laughs> oh yeah. I loved Corey. So yeah, I, we, we didn't have the leanings. And so to, to even entertain the idea of being in love with this person was so far off for me. I remember, um, driving home at one point after we'd been friends for years and having had a beautiful, uh, I think it was either a retreat or a seminar or something where we, we were facilitating some beautiful souls and, the thought came into my mind. I am so in love with that girl. And I about peed my pants. 
mean, I mean, I'm so in a place of love when I'm in her space. I mean, I mean, I'm not like in love with her, but I'm in love with what we do. And I love her. Like I noticed my like backpedaling justified. I can't, this can't, I'm not, it's a woman. I can't, that's so cute. Wow. The weirdest thing. Like I am in love with you, but you're in a girl's body. This is yeah. weird. This is weird. We had to Google how to be with a woman we because didn't we know. didn't know how to. And by the way, yeah. that wasn't very helpful. It wasn't very helpful. <laughs> we said, "How do you know if you've had lesbian sex?" Google and Google said, "We don't have a lot of information on that, but we do know you'll know when you have it." That's <laughs> okay. Helpful. So I, we got to kind of navigate through energy, learning mm-hmm. how to follow flow and follow the energy mm-hmm. and follow what her body was asking for. That's kind of where our learning ground was because Google was we had crapshoot, right? Didn't we work. had to take all of our set of beliefs and let them go, let them go, like mm. literally to the side so that we could start to see what this was because we had such blinders on our on ourselves having grown up being taught that this was not okay and yeah. our hearts were like oh it's more than okay it's incredible it's mm-hmm. it's what you your Wanted. heart has longed for for a long time yeah so we were navigating both of us at the same time a divorce so i was in my divorce for 6 months then she got into her divorce <laughs> And so it was an entire year's process for both of us to, to move through. They literally ended our marriages within a week of each other. The courts did. It was really crazy. Interesting. Um, But that whole year was once the divorces were in process, we spent a lot of time together. We had our kids one week off and one week on. So we would, she would either drive up to me or I would drive down to her during the weeks without our kids. And we would have conversations. We would have intimate moments. We would have um, just being curious about what this could be and noticing when the shame would come up, noticing when the stories or the wounds would come up, noticing when the stoppers would be involved. And so it was a, it was a, just a, an adventure, uh, a Mm. new adventure with a new territory, a new place to discover. And, um, it was breaking and, down identity pieces, mm-hmm. of breaking identity pieces. Yes. Yes. Both yes. The, the church identity, as well as the being married identity, as well as the being heterosexual I, identity, like everything was crumbling. Yeah. And we're like, we leave all of that at the door and just let our hearts lead what, and, and we would flow with that and we found so much joy so much mm-hmm. and i finally got to say i actually am in love with you and i tried to deny it but i can't it's <laughs> just it's very very realizing that the in love experience that i have wanted and thought i was in i now know this this is mm-hmm. it and it yeah. was extremely unknown to me that's why i was so afraid of it i can't i can't be I'm well, married like, and yeah. in love with a man, supposedly. So well, and like you both have mentioned, especially within the religion, it's so conditioned that this is wrong, it's bad, it's evil. It's not, you know, the proclamation of the family. It's a man and a woman. 
having children and our society has not been supportive of that for years and years. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting because understanding what I know, the soul doesn't have a gender. Yeah. So it eventually wouldn't like if we both died, we would be genderless and still loving each other, like to limit ourselves to, I can only be in love with this certain person and only have this type of process of marriage. It's, um, they advocate it as, or advertise it as a way to grow, um, within the church. But I feel like it's, if you continue believing into that structure, it's, it, it's not, it hinders the growth. Um, because you are limited in how you love, you're limited in who you love, you're limited in in who you trust and how you, Mm -hmm. how you communicate to God. And it's very limiting. Um, there isn't a possibility for growth. It's like, we're waiting this lifetime out so that we can eventually grow (laughs) after we die. (laughs) Wait a minute. That's not the point. It's, it's, I'm starting to understand that's a little backwards. It was interesting because the crumbling of all of that happened at the same, same time going to our family, our kids, our siblings, our parents. Um, a lot of the feedback from the LDS ones who are still in the church was, Hey, we're just be with Shelby. That's great. Just don't leave the church. Interesting. And I, okay, here, have you met me? So when I'm involved in something and I believe in it, I live it. Mm-hmm. And that's why I didn't ever swear or drink caffeine or go to an R-rated show. Like when I was LDS, I was in it yeah. and it was, it was me. I can't be part in part out like there's a lot of people who that works for it just would never have worked for me um i'm in when i'm in something i'm in it and so to be in the church but be directly against what they teach like no way would that have worked for me but it wasn't out of integrity absolutely but so many in the church were like it's okay i drink coffee (laughs) <laughs> I listen to other things. I do energy. Like what? So I'm what? a cup of coffee. So is that what you're saying? That double life for me doesn't work. Yeah. It, and it, it won't ever work. But it wasn't this relationship that crumbled my relationship with the church. Those two things were separate. But once I let go of the church and came out of that, my eyes were open to see something that was a possibility that I couldn't have allowed myself to see the veil previously that veil was lifted that we talked about that yeah. kept us blinded yeah for a long mm-hmm. time. so allowed it to be moved so that we mm-hmm. could be as little children truly curious right. awe and wonder and that everything's new we're we're rewriting a story we're rewriting the program um letting go of the old ones it's interesting i'm i'm just gonna say how grateful i am for anyone who is still in the church believing big time, but willing to love those who have left. Yeah. There's, there's, there's so many of those. And then there's so many who once we left, like they cut us off. Mm-hmm. Like they're, I remember going on a walk. Yeah. Shelby and I had our kids. We were out on the walk and the stake president and his family, I saw him. I'm like, Oh my gosh. And I was, 
I was in the um, state president, like I was in the, I did the choir for the stake. I did the Relief Society presidency for the state. Like I worked with him closely and I love him and his wife. I did young women's camp with them and I love them so dearly. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, hi. And they immediately smiled and looked at, and once they saw who it was, they looked at me and looked at Shelby and their eyes dropped to the Uh. floor and they walked right past me and my family. To me, that is not what God is teaching us to do and to be. It's not very (laughs) Christ-like. I was that. I was that. I was that judgmental person when my brothers came to us and said, hey, I found the man that I want to be with. I was like, no, you can't do this. You can't do it. And full of judgment. And so we felt, we've felt both the people who are full of judgment and and you're a bad person now because of what you've chosen versus the people who still are willing to love us and see us as, as people. I love yeah. this because it, uh, it does allow for that compassion. Like I know this experience. I know having that judgment. I know what it feels like to be f- afraid, mm-hmm. afraid for others and afraid for me. If I interact with them, what, what will that say about me? Um, to have compassion on that experience, having lived it. Like if I hadn't lived it, it would be way harder to understand or have compassion for. Yeah. So yeah, feeling a lot of gratitude, gratitude. and getting it and, and still noticing the pain that it still incurs inside to having mm-hmm. the, being the receptor or the receiver of that energy where well, and we can yeah. you and we can talk to you. Yeah. Well, and you guys both know this, this story that I have shared with you, but for me, I got to really look at some places within me of, and I would love for you two to share that about the Kinsey scale here in a minute, but I had some opportunities to look at those places within me of, wait a minute, could there be sexual attraction to a woman? And what would that look like? And just, just even going within and having some different experiences with being, spending a whole day with the gay um, man at this hotel, I got to, you know, I got to spend a whole day with him and, and talk to him and communicate with him and he feel his heart. And, and then happened to pick up some books that was talking about, I think it was a Magdalene manuscript about the, how she falls in love with, with the heart and the mind and the soul and not body parts. And it was just so fascinating looking back to just see these things that I was kind of questioning within me of where am I still holding on to those? Well, no, we pick, you know, where are my prejudices against people who choose to be with someone of the same sex? And as I went through this, not long after my son finally came out as gay. Mm-hmm. And so as you're sharing about some of these people that shunned you and, and voicing this with thank you for those that have been supportive or in the church that are supportive of people who leave, it's, we have no idea, especially in this day and age, we have no idea what our children or are going to choose to experience in their lives. And if they don't feel safe enough to communicate that at home, like the detrimental effects that that has on them, not feeling safe to be them is massive. And I was so grateful that I got to go through those processes within me. So then my, my son felt safe and, and secure enough to be able to, to communicate something that he's been holding on to for a few years. Oh, wow. And I'm so grateful because I've met that son. Yeah. He's just a ball of love and light. He's just, oh, he's just so yummy. Cute. 
And I'm so grateful that he has that support system. That he can honor his truth. That's going to change the trajectory of his life so big. And I'm, I just, oh, he's just yummy. Uh, Right. Okay. So for the Kinsey, um, Dr. Kinsey is the, the major contributor to most of what we knew about sex clear up till the two thousands. Um, he was the first person to really dive into it, research it. He was, he had, was, had the money. He wrote an entire volume on the man's body. He um, did videos and, and just all of the different studies that, that he created and came up with in order to teach the world about sexuality, which we were in the dark before that. Um, nobody was willing to lean into that and to study it and to find answers. And so when he went to go, his next volume was about the woman's body and the colleges that had supported him shut him down. And so mm-hmm. we didn't get, we didn't get hardly any study of the female anatomy and body, like the cl- clitoris in 2003 was the first time that they actually mapped out the entirety of the, the clitor clitoris. Really? Yeah. yeah. It's insane. Oh. Like the woman's body, we are so far behind because of Kinsey's work. He was able to do on the man's body and the sexuality, but when he, he was shut down, all the funding was pulled. And so the, the female body was not able to be studied for years so so much power of the universe itty bitty, the big space right? and we can't talk about it because it's so much power we've got to shut it down we've got to shut it down we can't control it we've got we got to pretend it's we not know. even there oh my gosh <laughs> um so something that kinsey's studies and you can uh the he calls it the kinsey scale something that he, because of his research what he he came up with an understanding that the Kinsey scale, like over here is completely straight over here is totally um, same sex attraction. He said there is no, like nobody just lands on a place. It is a spectrum that, that you continually move back and forth with um, you've and many women will say, when I watch porn, I want, I'm watching the woman and that's, is that bad? Am I wrong? Am I attracted to women? He, his, his understanding is that it fluctuates, that we're, we're never just one thing or another. Our judgments Mm -hmm. definitely affect where, where we allow ourselves to be. But when we open ourselves up and just have the freedom to see beauty and hearts and souls, instead of body parts, instead of this is wrong, instead of labeling it, um, we we often tend to swing on that spectrum and allow allowing yourself to just what if oh my yeah. gosh what if that woman was incredibly beautiful to me and I am attracted to her in this moment mm-hmm. what if we allowed ourselves to be free um, there was a time when Shelbs and I first were were starting to love each other 
there was so many people on the outside world like, okay, well, what are you? Have you always been gay? Have, were you closeted? Were you, are you this? Are you that? And, and all of the labels. When did your leaning start? Did like, you, was it when you were little? Did you want to did play with GI Joe's? So you know, college did you love you playing did. with Barbies? Cause you thought they were beautiful and like, wanted them like all these things. And we're like, <laughs> Oh my gosh, guys, guess what? Labels don't work for us. I was in love with my husband when that was my lover. And now I'm in love with Shelby and her energy and her soul. And I don't care that she has this part or that part. Like, so we came up with a label that works for us. It's, it's half H A L F human Human as as loving fuck. fuck. (laughs) (laughs) If you're going to try to label us, there you go. That's that's what we even made sweatshirts that, that, that's that so cute. it is really really cute um it is a it's fascinating to just picture visually in my mind that that scale that if we pick one spot and we stay there and identify it for our entire life like there's so much of the scale that we're missing and that's kind of a microcosm of the macrocosm of the world is we pick one spot and we go, that's who I am. That's who I'll always be. And I won't do anything different. And then I'm like, but there's this whole world. There's this whole scale. Don't you want to like slide a little bit one way just to see what it's like? <laughs> you just dip it a little bit, just to, eh, a little bit. Even in your sexuality exploration, like, okay, you're, you're essential, but what if you tried on some kink? What if you tried on some energy energetics what if you try like in everything in everything okay this is the kind of food you you like and prefer but what if it's the choosing before you experience I guess that that is what I'm noticing if Mm. I don't have the experience then how could I make an educated choice Mm. but when I can have the experiences of one side of the scale versus the other side of the scale and and have some background Now I can say, this is definitely my preference. Mm -hmm. And I have, I have experienced that and I have experienced that. And I found my sweet spot and I'm, I, I love visiting every day. (laughs) I found it. I didn't need Google. (laughs) If you know the amount right now, it's just like her head in her hand. But Google. These two. It's always got to go to sex. Well, and I do, I do want to, and we need to wrap up soon, but I do want to touch on because I just, um, got to participate in your sex experience retreat, which was what, two weeks ago, three weeks ago too. I don't even know. And one of the things that I found fascinating to witness of myself was one of the biggest pieces we dove into was shame. Cause we hold a lot of shame around sexuality and preference and kinks and that kind of things. And being able to be open and have these open conversations and experience things that I normally wouldn't experience actually allowed for the capacity to love more and to have more connection with my partner than I would have thought. Because usually we shut that down. Well, we don't talk about this or this feels really shameful about ourselves or this is bad or this is wrong or no, I don't want to go there because I don't want to create you know, ripple effects or whatever it is, but it did, it allowed for, I felt closer to my partner and had more capacity of love than before that experience. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I think is always fascinating to witness, right? So when you're talking about that, Shelby, of, you know, don't shut it down until you experience, there is truth in that. And there's always choice in what we want to do and when we want to choose 
different things, but, um, yeah. Yeah. If there's any, any inclination, any question, any, um, curiosity in within us, like there's some things that I'm not at all curious about. And in this current moment, I don't care to experience what it would be like to be say a murderer. Like that's just not something that calls to me. It's not an experience. And I think I've actually had that in past lives. And I actually did. I have killed flies and a couple (gasps) spiders. So, you know, I have experienced that. But she saved the beetle last night. I did save the beetle. Okay. Well, she believed (laughs) it was going to attack her, but it wasn't. It was very docile beetle, but she (laughs) swore it was the killer beetle. It was coming after her. Yeah. Very gentle beetle. My lucky charm, but he can go now. I did not kill him because it's not my preference to kill any living creature, but I have done it before and I have experienced it. So I know in some elements, I guess I have. But to be able to um find if there's any any curiosity in our hearts, any ping that says, Oh, I wonder what that would be like. That is I have a clue. It's a, it's your soul's symbol or signal saying, Hey, this is an experience that might be for you might I'm, be beneficial. To I'm going to throw this in there. Shelby is not talking about harming or ha- no, 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 no. This is no. absolutely. Yeah. Actual, like, absolutely. 100%. Look, so just making sure to put out that disclaimer. Like the thing is, is our heart never anyone. Yeah. Our yourself. heart and soul never calls for those things. It doesn't. So when we're, when we're feeling like we're going into dangerous territory of, Oh, say loving someone else. Like I'm, I, I just say question question that you're questioning love (laughs) (laughs) that, I mean, yes. Question when there's a thought in your mind that says there's, there's a harm involved or hurting someone, please do question that. But when it comes to loving and exploring and understanding you on a deeper level, what if you just allowed yourself, please allow, please offer yourself the opportunity to explore even a little bit, or just tell your heart, I'm willing and the universe is always conspiring in our favor. And when we are willing, it will offer us beautiful opportunities, place them at our feet, even where we didn't even see them coming. And then until I do see her coming now, but I didn't, <laughs> I love, I love seeing her coming now, <laughs> but the opportunities- yes, we're just coming off a high of sex experience. It's true. Yeah, the are. <laughs> Although you guys, let's be for real. You guys are always like this and you are truly a beautiful couple and the energy that you carry individually and together is both of that unconditional love space, complete freedom, um, and just a lot of expansive energy. That's quite beautiful. So I celebrate both of you. So, well, I love you. Just to wrap up, is there any, is there any thoughts, advice, wisdom that you would love to impart or give to any listeners that may be going through? We've, I mean, we've crossed a lot of subjects here. Um, so I don't know if there's anything that just is, is popping as I'm, I'm communicating. Yeah. There's a last piece that I would love to put in like, and it kind of kind of goes along with just everything that we're sharing. So when you choose to leave the church, when you choose to do something different, no matter what it is, if it's leaving the church or, or changing sexualities or getting a new friend, whatever, the people who have known you as one person, they, they tend to want to hold you into to that place 
my invitation is holding space for them in return. We really want them to hold space for us as we've, as we're transforming, as we're changing, as everything's different for us. What if we are the ones who hold space for them wherever they are? So it's been about four years that Shelbs and I have been able to be together and having left our marriages and our, and the church um, holding space for my siblings my parents, my, the loved ones that I have that are still very much believing and, and that is important to them. I had a sister last night in our home begging me for forgiveness for how hard she has judged me and how much um, like she hasn't let her children into my home. Like she, All the ways that she's withheld her love from me and I have just held space for where she was and what she was going through. Yeah. And look, look at how sometimes it flowers open and shifts that I, I didn't need to judge her for judging me. What if we meet each other in that unconditional love and non-judgmental space that we're so craving and wanting from other people? Let's be that. Yeah. And hold space for wherever the other people in our lives we had so many people leave our lives and some of them have come back and said wow i i judged you like crazy Mm -hmm. and i i want to be back in your world some of them haven't come back and it's beautiful all of it Mm -hmm. so that's my invitation for myself included is to hold space of unconditional love for yourself first. And then, and then all of those, all of the ways that this is landing on the people that we love and who raised us and, and mentored us and, and struggle with us choosing differently than, than what they've known. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the biggest piece. A lot of people have left the church are like, but everybody preaches Christ like love, but they're not doing it. And then we get out of the church and we get very angry and pissed off and step out of this judgment of non-Christ-like or unconditional love. And we step right into it again on the outside. Mm. Yep, we sure and do. So we do. And it, it's a beautiful healing process if we can remember what we were, our, our main intention was. And that was to actually find truth and to find that love that everybody talks about, but we haven't seen it demonstrated to be that. And the, we tell, I tell all of my clients this, that if I can give you one key, one piece that will change your life forever. And it's just one, it would be learning to love yourself first in that unconditional space, because we, we are the ones who continue the shame and telling the, the same stories in our head and perpetuating the lies and perpetuating the false beliefs in our minds and taking what we had experienced and abuse as, as like being abused as children, we abuse ourselves as we're older. Please be kind to you. Notice when you're being hard on you, when you're being judgmental on yourself when you're shaming yourself and you're perpetuating the very things you're wanting to leave, you're still doing it. When we can learn to love self first, it Mm -hmm. will ripple out and it will change the world. And that's why we left guys, because it wasn't working. That love space wasn't, didn't feel real. It felt manual. (laughs) It felt 
written down by man. And so to self-care, be compassionate, find where you're bullying and being abusive to yourself and turn it around. Find where you're lying to yourself. Mm. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. If someone wanted to get in touch with you to either know of any upcoming retreats you have, or I believe you guys do sessions, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. If they're wanting to reach out to you, what's the best way that they can get in touch with you both? Um, we are both on Facebook, Shelby Smith, Cami Rhodes, Mitchell. We do have a, um, an events page that we do post some of our events when we remember technology is not a forte. So if you yeah. just want to text us, um, I don't know, can we leave our numbers here? Or is that like, well, I, if you want me to, I can put it in the show notes. If you do want that out yeah. there. Yeah, I'm good. Okay. For them to text us that we follow that much more than an email or anything yeah, else. So just put okay. it in the show notes. That'd be great. I approve of this message too. Oh, thank goodness. So do I. So do I. (laughs) Cammie and Shelby approve. Bing. Bing. (laughs) Well, I just love you too. Thank you so much for spending the time with all of us today. Mm -hmm. And especially for me, my day will be so much better now. (laughs) We love you, Amanda. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Just by being you. Wasn't that a beautiful interview? And I don't know about you, but there were so many moments that it's like, oh, I need to write that down. Oh, I need to write that down. And what's beautiful about these women is that they practice what they preach and they embody all these pieces of what they have learned and all of the parts of them that have been wanting to be seen. They have fully embodied it in complete unconditional love. And being embodied doesn't mean you are perfect. It doesn't mean that you have your shit together. Like we're always moving. We're always growing. We're always learning. So again, this is a deep call for those of you who are ready to step all the way into you. Come join our in-body experience September 22nd through 25th in Springdale, Utah. This is a limited offering as far as we only have 14 people and space for 14 people in this beautiful home down in Springdale, Utah with Cammie, Shelby, myself, and Sarah. The four of us, man, we do some really beautiful facilitating when we're together. And I am truly excited to step into this space with all of you. So if you are feeling that soul body, yes, head over to my website, amandajoyloveland.com forward slash in body, I-N-B-O-D-Y to secure your spot today. We, this will sell out you guys. So if you're feeling a yes, go snag your spot. And then if you're looking for some deeper integration, some deeper healing work from uncoupling and deprogramming after religion, head over to my website to go grab my Leaving Religion tools. There's a bundle that I've created that are meditation journeys, they're guided meditation journeys that are really, really powerful. And that's on my website as well, amandajoyloveland.com forward slash leaving religion tools. And these links, along with Cammie and Shelby's uh, information, their cell numbers, how to follow them is all in the show notes. So head down, check that out. Go get your spot in our retreat. Grab the meditation bundle if you're feeling that call. Head over and grab my book if you're needing more tools with how to navigate out. You are not alone. And I hope today that you can take a minute to really 
take inventory of where you have been and where you are now. I guarantee, especially these last few months, you have grown in ways you never thought possible. So I hope you take a moment just to recognize, validate, and honor all of these really beautiful places in your life. Sending you all so much love.